Hello and welcome to Off-Road Review. I'm Nick Pfeiffer and I'm joined by my co-host, Julia. What is your name and your occupation? Hi, I'm Julia. I'm a movie connoisseur, um, college student extraordinaire, and all-around cool person. Um, my specialty is making every conversation ever about the Cars universe. And so that brings us to this podcast, where we're today going to review Close Encounters of the Third Kind and tie that somehow to the Cars universe. Let's start from the beginning. The movie itself, it's about a series of people like all across the world who encounter aliens and are basically uncontrollably urged to go to this mysterious location that they have never been to. And uh, it kind of drives them nuts, but best way to go about it is to start from the very beginning of the movie so let's go with first contact mm -hmm. the movie starts out with the middle of the desert in was it mexico i think or central america or something like that yes and uh they come across a series of world war ii airplanes that have been missing since 44 i believe it was they said um so like they're in pristine condition the pilots are missing but the planes are there they're just out of out in the blue in this middle of this uh, desert storm and uh the government is basically investigating these mysterious uh reappearances of old ships old planes and things that went missing that are just suddenly coming back mm -hmm. and that leads into the first contact with humans where we have a small muncie indiana town uh gets visited by these alien ships and everyone who encounters the ships is drawn to the ships throughout the movie like to an uncontrollable level like roy the main character his whole marriage his whole family literally falls apart because of this first contact yeah he doesn't seem too heartbroken about it but we'll get into that as we get through this first contact happens we've got power of the city going out everyone's like freaking out like what's mm -hmm. going on roy goes into his truck to go and try to like investigate what's causing it when he encounters the alien ship above him and it freaks him out and gives him a tan on half his face which is hilarious mm -hmm. he follows the ship as far as a hillside where he encounters a group of other people who also encountered the aliens and they're all watching it unfold they watch the aliens fly away and the power to the town return. Mm -hmm. That is just the contact that they experienced. Can you tell, uh, I guess, what your thoughts were on the first contact? It, it was, this is where the flying disc kind of became popular, which I found very interesting because, um, you have the flying disc, you have the people going and looking for it, you have the power going out. You have this kid in this farmhouse that um, is not scared of this, but wants to like go he, find He's actually them. also, throughout 90% of the movie, the first one and only one to see the aliens uh, before the movie like progresses. Yeah. Like, so that kid's got some guts. <laughs> he really does. And so you have these people in a suburbia, Indiana, a farmhouse, um, 
that that's where the story like focuses on with the with the first contact and the protagonist yes yeah because roy's from muncie indiana Mm -hmm. it it doesn't exclusively take place there but Mm -hmm. it starts i i feel like roy is a self-insert for um steven spielberg slash the little boy and that's why they are the main focus at first um well i think roy at least is a focus in the movie because he clearly is already like before the alien encounter a man who is spacing out all the time he's got a lot of activities he's kind of a hoarder so he's he's not exactly all there yeah and so once he encounters the aliens and he starts getting obsessive about it people just assume he's just finally cracked and that he's further descending than he already was Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that helps with the the whole idea that like no one believes him that it wasn't mm-hmm. aliens that like when the government tries to cover it up it was it, he's just alone and mm-hmm. he can't get anyone to listen to him except for those who also encounter the aliens uh, like the mother of the kid uh, that get the, that encounters the aliens yeah it makes that connection so strong yeah yeah and mm-hmm. and that's that is even further advanced in the story when at the end they kiss. It's like he still hasn't yeah. even finalized the divorce with his wife. He, like he is <laughs> eager to kiss this woman he only met a few days ago. Yeah, he, he didn't think about his family at all once he got there. Yeah, he, he wasn't exactly heartbroken when they, they move out. But anyways, um, we're jumping into the, the, the madness, mm-hmm. the middle stage. But <clears throat> anything more, at least for the first contact? Um, just, just like the first contact showed the saucer a little bit in the lights which i like that i liked that um it showed that because um i okay i was not born in the 70s obviously neither was i and so um i wasn't there when this movie first came out but i really feel like this this image of the um flying saucer which was made popular by cartoons. It was. Um, but this made it even more popular. I just think it's an interesting little thing that Steven did. Yeah, Steven Spielberg, I mean, he's been known for doing other alien movies like mm-hmm. E.T. So, like, it's not his first foray into flying saucers. I, I like what's great about it is uh, you have two mixed encounters with these aliens one is the the police are freaked out and they're like chasing these alien mm-hmm. ships down and then you've got the residents who are fascinated and want to be mm-hmm. like hey we're over here come interact with us and so you got like these two different experiences and uh you never see the aliens themselves you just see their ship uh mm-hmm. or ships i should say and then like the the red orb which yeah still never gets explained throughout the whole movie what that is is exactly but i just kind of yeah. thought it was it's like um like a seeing thing like they go and um like an observer yeah yeah it felt like an observer more than anything else maybe i mean that that's one thing i did actually like about this movie is despite by the end of it them revealing a bunch of stuff there's still a lot of questions that go unanswered Mm -hmm. um and 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 you don't need those answers like Mm -hmm. the idea is there's unknowns out there and it's okay yeah adventure unknowns it's just it's out there yeah so let's segue into uh the middle part of the movie which is basically Mm -hmm. 
Roy and everyone else who has encountered these aliens gradually becoming obsessive of this monument that they envision in their head. They, they can't get it mm-hmm. out of their head. Uh, it, it starts out looking like a typical mount with a peak on it. Mm-hmm. And then gradually you see Roy and everyone else realizing, no, that's not right. It's a flat top. And so they like gradually get more obsessed with it and build monuments or paintings or drawings. And uh, Roy, for me, my favorite scene is when he's doing it with the mashed potatoes and his family just stares at him and starts crying. There's like, we've lost our dad. And that's like the first sign where like, you truly feel like Roy is going mad and his family sees it for the first time. Like they Mm -hmm. thought he was, you know, a little messy or whatever or distant. But like, that's the first time where there was like, oh my God, what's wrong with him? Mm-hmm. Um, so you get this gradual madness throughout the movie that culminates into them discovering it's a real place. They've never been mm-hmm. there, but they know for a fact it's a place and they want to go there. And everything is compelling them to go there. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about the madness and the buildup leading to the point where they realize it's a real place? Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part was when he was throwing all the stuff into his house, like the dirt, the, um, the, the different wires and all that. And once, and then it cuts after his family like leaves because, you know, he's absolutely lost it, um, in their mind. And, um, once they leave, it cuts to this, um, scene of, this mountain that he has built in his house. Yeah. And, and this mountain started out simply with a can of whipped cream, or not whipped cream, uh, shaving cream in his hand. And yeah. then extrapolated it, it into just, this it big mod. kept going. Yeah. And um, in, in the background of that, you kept seeing the TV. They made a point of showing the TV. Of At first it was the cartoon. Um, it's from... Marvin the Martian. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so Sorry, you have I'm, that. I'm old. You're you're young, so you don't I know who Marvin Martin is. I watched it all the time when I was young. <laughs> I just couldn't remember the name. Okay. Um, so you had that, and then later, um, as as the scene progresses, um, you have the um, news basically telling about um these animals that died, like nerve gas, and it's in Wyoming. It's a real place. Yeah, and yeah. It's, like, it's, it's oh, the government covering up the location where yes. they expect aliens to land. Yes, and um, so you, so you have all that, and even before that, you had um, the mother with the boy, and they were in their house, and um, he she was drawing it, not the boy, but like she was, mm-hmm. but the boy was playing this music, which. That will matter later. Yes. Well, the um, boy also was making a mud uh, model. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Which is what actually, like, mm-hmm. kind of jumpstarts everything for everyone. Is, yeah. Like, the, the kid starts it all. Because he's the first one to, to see the aliens at all. Mm-hmm. And there, it, there's this big red light. And then the kid's, like, the, the mom's trying to board them in. And the kid is like, nah. And goes out outside and then he's just gone for a little bit and that's when um it also goes to the um government and the i forget where they met with the people but um they, about, like when the aliens first came into town in muncie 
Oh yeah, that was before, wasn't it? Yeah, so like <clears throat> the first encounter is in Muncie, <clears throat> and then later in the film, the the aliens come back and they take the kid. Yeah, yeah. In Muncie, but where they encounter him in the end is not that's that's in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it jumps around a little bit. It does jump around, and um, it puts the mother there and like you know and believes the mother that like her son got taken by aliens which adds to the um the urge mm-hmm. to find the place um and then you have the roy thing and all that and so it's just a slow build up yeah. all in the middle yeah and and there's even like signs throughout the movie where there's like airplanes talking to uh the t- control tower about what they're seeing in the sky and then the control tower like do you want to file a report and everyone's like no i don't want to be considered crazy basically like they're yeah. they're denying it because they don't want to be looked down upon like the mother or roy or the other mm-hmm. people who saw the aliens so like throughout the movie there's this constant reinforcement of aliens aren't real they cannot be real if you say they are you'll be ostracized from the group mm-hmm. and uh so yeah like these people become more obsessed and obsessed with proving what they know is out there and uh we see that also that the government is kind of in lockstep with them as well like they're going a different path but they're still going to the same destination you got this guy who's french i always forget his name or did they ever even say it? I don't remember. He's French. Uh, there's I don't this. Think they say his name. The, from the beginning of the movie onwards, this guy is constantly investigating and trying to solve the language and communication between these aliens and the humans. And you've got this um, cartographer uh, who comes in just to translate, which perfectly worked out for them because at one point he discer- he determines that these messages they were receiving back to them were coordinates which is what led to the wyoming location Mm -hmm. Uh, so like you've got the government working towards finding the alien location and communicating with them you've got the people who were visited by the aliens obsessing about getting to that location and we get to the point where we get last contact Mm -hmm. so as we transition to the third point of this uh review We've got the last contact where aliens come at the very end of the movie and introduce themselves more directly to everyone. You've got military being resistant of letting anyone near this mountaintop. So much so that they literally kill a bunch of animals and lay their bodies along the roadside to make it look even worse than it actually is. Uh, They wear gas masks. They encourage people to stay away because they might die. And anyone who gets caught usually gets helicoptered out of town. Um, But Roy and the mother uh, obviously ignore all those warnings. Uh, They they take their car and they drive to the mountain. And uh, as they get closer and closer, they get intercepted by the military. And they have to break away from the military. And there's other people who were like them, got caught. And... uh, by the time they break, make a break for the mountain, it's them and one other guy, and he doesn't even last long. Um, so they go up the mountain, and they're trying to evade the military the whole time. Uh, it's a very steep mountain. It's a challenge for them. Like 
they're just people they're not you know mountain climbers like it's not there it's not easy for them but uh what can you tell me of leading up to that point where they like make the last contact like what what were some things you noticed and enjoyed or disliked um <clears throat> something i noticed and this is a little bit further and um it gets to when they get to the top of the mountain something no no let me backtrack a sec okay rewind um something um i enjoyed about the lead up to getting to the mountain was the hordes of people either leaving or trying to go mm -hmm. and how roy and the mother find each other and all that um, within that, it, it, it was a very similar scene to the movie Contact, which was probably based on this, of this is how most people are going to react when stuff like this happens, of like the unknown, um, it probably played on the Horde mentality a little bit, um, and that that's something I liked because it added to the you're crazy if you believe in aliens. It added to the it's the people versus the government. It added it added to all of that. And then and so like from there, the next thing I really noticed was the scientist. Um, wearing the, like, gas mask when they got there looked exactly like the E.T. people, which was, that was fun. That that was just a fun little, little thing. And, um, then we got, then we got where they got to the mountain at the very top. Mm -hmm. And, um, you see all these scientists and you see that, oh, it's a, cover up and this is what they've been doing and it lets you watch a little bit before Roy and the mother like go further yeah yeah they they observe because they don't want to get up arrested right away I mean, yeah like so it's not safe for them to jump in and be like hey guys how's it going we're here for the yeah, show yeah. like they can't do that right away uh so yeah like Roy and, and the mother are just kind of observing from a little bit of afar and you've got the first encounter or the first wave of encounters uh mm -hmm. so the smaller ships come along and communicate with the military and the military up to this point has been trying to understand the language to communicate with them so they can be prepared for this mm -hmm. and the the best way to go through it was through uh essentially music and um hitting certain tones to communicate mm -hmm. which is kind of cool because it's like the idea that through like music or, or certain sounds, we can communicate no matter what language we might speak. Like we can still mm -hmm. communicate. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got this giant board of lights behind this guy on a big absurd piano. And uh, he's just repeating the same, like, was it like four notes? Four or five, yeah. It's like, dun, 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 dun like that yeah yeah something uh, like that so he's playing that over and over again and gradually gets faster and faster and then they, they respond and they fly away and they bring more ships with them mm -hmm. and then those ships all kind of just communicate with them and like mm -hmm. observe and then they fly away 
-hmm. And then we get to the mothership. Yeah, this is where like everything has kind of come to a culmination. We've been building to this moment. Everyone wanted answers. This is where the answers come in. So the big ship comes in like a, a flying citadel and plays a, a song essentially with this mm -hmm. penis. And I think it's hilarious. Like this, the guy is like wide eyed the whole time he's playing this piano. And then like the government's like, okay, we're going to take over at this point and like automated it from a certain point on. But like imagine being that guy playing piano with an alien ship and the alien ship's playing alongside you. Mm -hmm. it, it, like I imagine that, that scene in Big where Tom Hanks and the old guy are dancing on the keyboard, but mm -hmm. instead of the old guy, it's an alien ship, and then there's, instead of Tom Hanks, this like government agent just playing the piano. So, you know, it, it's a wild experience. Um, it's like hard to believe how well kept together everyone is, but like mm -hmm. every like alien movie, we always see that like there's someone who has a gun and prematurely fires and causes this whole catastrophe to happen. But in this entire scene, there's no one with guns. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, literally, no, there's no one, no one with guns. Um, I, and I don't know if that was, like, intended as, like, the government knew better than to have guns. Or it was, like, Spielberg just didn't want to bother with them or what. But I, I felt like there were mainly scientists there. Yeah. Um. There, there wasn't a lot of military. There was some military, but there wasn't a lot. So I immediately assumed that was it. But also, I think he was trying to go for maybe a little bit more accurate. Of people are going to be so shocked by what is happening that they're not going to move a muscle. Um. But I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't be accurate. Maybe the gun would be more accurate. Yeah. I. I mean, who's to say how people would react? when they encounter aliens um because like honestly like i don't know how i would react like i might yeah. say like i'd be like hey guys how's it going like wave my hand at them but realistically i probably wouldn't even do that i'd probably just be like i'm gonna back out of here in case they're like the alien ship and nope like i do not want to be its dinner um so yeah like i thought it was interesting though at least how the government handled everything in that scene so well and then we've got all these other movies where aliens encounter humans and the military is just like, let's blow it up. <laughs> well, like, even with E.T., Stephen showed the military freaking out a little bit. Well, okay, so E.T. was a little different in the sense that they replaced the guns with radios because they yeah. had to keep it PG. Yes, yeah, true. If they had guns, they would have had it in PG-13. So yeah. that one was more a, a rating reason, uh, but, yeah. like... E.T. was supposed to have guns. Well, yeah. Like, they were supposed to. Well, like, the idea is that, like, the military was freaking out. Yeah. But, like, in, in this one, no. Yeah. Which is, I think it's fun to look at both mm -hmm. sides. You kind of compare them. Because they're both mm -hmm. Spielberg, or, well. Yes, they're yeah, both. Yeah, both Spielberg. Yes. I don't know both. why I was thinking one was Lucas. I don't know. Why would it? Okay. Well, mainly <laughs> because Lucas does use Yoda in, in E.T. and vice versa. E.T. shows up in one of the prequel Star Wars movies. I don't know if you've ever noticed yeah. that. It's a tiny, like, blink and you miss it thing. They, mm. they cross them over quite often yeah. because Spielberg and Lucas work together on a lot of projects. Um, so we've got the, the ship landing and communicating with them, and it comes down to, okay, the music's done. Now what? The alien ship opens up, 
bright white light coming out. People are like, oh my God, I got to put on these sunglasses. Everyone puts on the same sunglasses, these aviator government issue glasses. How did they all have them? It's crazy. I I know. It's almost like they're a military. Oh, wait. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, everyone's doing this. And at this point, you've got Roy kind of creeping down to join them. And one of my favorite things happens. It's, it's again, one of those blink-and-you-miss-it moments. It's not even important to the movie. But there's a point where he comes down, and this government agent, or, like, scientist or whatever, runs up to him, grabs him by the arms, and then runs past him and goes into a porta potty and like i didn't even notice that right yeah it's a brief moment but it's like the idea is either the guy really had to go to the bathroom or he was gonna like stop roy from going any further but then decided screw this i'm out like either way like it was just a scene where like i'm i I had to deeply analyze it because i want to know what that man's mindset was when he was doing that like did he have to go to the bathroom and Roy was just in his way and he was pushing him out of the way? Or was it he was trying to run away from the aliens because he was that freaked out? Either one are amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just amusing. Because like if you go back and watch that scene, literally, he just runs into a party potty, closes the door, and you never see that man again. He's in there the rest of the movie. Um, it's great. I love it. Uh, so Roy gets closer, and like by that point, no one cares if he's there. They, oh, they're yeah. not going to stop him. Least um, of their worries. Yeah, and and even up to that point, you've got the government basically like encouraging him to be there. Uh, and I'll explain that in a little bit here. But like, mm-hmm. so the the ship opens up and a bright light comes out and people start coming out of the ship. And at first, people are thinking, "Oh, are these aliens?" But as like they get closer, you realize, no, these are the missing people. That's kind of cool. I like that. Like the idea that like even though Amelia Earhart wasn't part of that. Like, there's always that theory that Amelia Earhart was, you know, abducted by aliens. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I like the idea, though, that, like, humans who are abducted could come back at any time, and they'd be, like, a man out of time. Like, literally, these fighter pilots that return at the end of this movie uh, disappeared in 1945. They have not aged at all. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what's going on. They don't know where they are. The first person to talk to them speaks French. The second person that talks to them is is a, a U.S. agent. But like, imagine like coming out of nowhere, a bright light, not knowing anything. Because for all you know, they were in stasis the entire years that they were away. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing you hear is like "Bonjour." It's like what? What? <laughs> what is happening? Like, yeah. Well, like, you, you also have like this crowd of people just looking in yeah. wonder. All in the same sunglasses. Um, That's cultish. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's just a it's a fun spectacle to watch. Um, and then, like as those military guys kind of identify themselves, and the government starts marking off people that had gone missing, then you start getting into people who aren't military. You start getting into the kid. The kid shows up along with a bunch of other like normal citizens. And at that point, that's when the mother comes down from the mountain and she kind of just joins the crowd and embraces her son. And uh, everyone's kind of like in awe and at the same time happy because it seems like this is a good first contact or in this case, Mm -hmm. last contact. And um, everything seems like it's going to end up with just the aliens giving people back to the earth and that's it. But it doesn't quite end there. Um... Roy 
is approached by one of the government agents saying, uh, like asking basically a bunch of questions like, hey, can you give me all the details about you? Do you want to be a part of this? You know, okay, Usher Simmel way. And mm-hmm. while that's happening, you've got a bunch of aliens coming out of the ship. Do you want to tell us about that scene? Okay, well, first, it, it, it's very similar to the idea of like little green men, but they weren't green. They Not were just, all of them, even though. Remember yeah. the very first one you see? The very is that first tall, one is really like, slender a, a band looking thing. Gated, yeah. Which, um, it's kind of terrifying to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. There are a bunch of theories about why that's the look we all go for, um, which I can get to if you want. But like, I mean, we've got time. We're only at twenty-eight minutes right now. Okay. So there's this theory. Well, no, there there were people. Um, the settlement in like the east that the people elongated their necks mm-hmm. and kind of made their heads smaller. Yeah, there's I mean like there's African mm-hmm. tribes that had the, yeah. the rings around their neck. Yeah, that, like, and made it longer. Yeah. And, and there's um, also like the ones for the crystal skull kind of yeah. thing where like the back of their head yeah. also had rings to extend and it. And the theory is that these people have seen actual aliens and they try they worship them and they try to look like them yeah um, and, which and i mean sense. that that's that's just a fun little little thing yeah i mean it's like the egyptians with pharaohs and like yeah. looking like uh jackals and, and snakes mm-hmm. and things like that yeah and um where's it going <laughs> essentially the stargate method <laughs> oh yeah 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 um so you, it gets, they, they're, they're dragging um, Roy away. They have these little alien guys coming out and they're like, they're coming up to everyone kind of. And then it cuts to this scene where there's, it was a Catholic priest, right? Yes. Uh, so, mm-hmm. okay. So we're going to go right into this part. Uh, Roy's rushed away to a room full of other, uh, presumably Americans, who have volunteered to go up in the ship. And mm-hmm. a priest is giving them their final prayer, basically, in case it doesn't go as planned. But, like, I don't think any of that... If I recall correctly, though, once they get up to the ship, the aliens come over, they look down the line of people, and they pick Roy out from the crowd and yeah. only take Roy. Yeah. Um, and and so, like, during all of that, during the, um, the Catholic priest giving, like, the final prayer, during... Um, the aliens coming out and just looking at everyone. Um, you have the mother grabbing her son and like running away because no, I'm not losing my son again. Yeah. Um, but Although then like that, she's, that kid definitely would want to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she like stops. She's taking pictures. She's like, oh my god. And um, from there you have the astronaut people coming out in their little suits and that's when the aliens come and they like you said like walk down the line they're like you you have been chosen Mm -hmm. and i think it's primarily because he of the group was the only one to actually encounter them before Mm -hmm. like he was essentially bonded to them Mm -hmm. while the rest of the crew had no ties to the aliens they were just government agents like so there's like no we don't want you guys we want this guy um this actually leads into a, a scene in the in the movie that kind of confused me. Maybe you can help me on this. Uh, he gets brought into the ship, and he's looking up at this giant thing above him, 
and it starts to rain down on him. And then the next scene that comes right after is an alien comes out and does like a sign language thing to the French guy. Mm-hmm. Is that supposed to be Roy? Did it change him into an alien? Or is that supposed to be just another alien that just happens to come out and give sign language? Because it's never clear clarified. Like you never see Roy as Roy again. And it's right after Roy sees this thing running down on him that an alien comes out. So did they turn Roy into an alien? I don't think so. Um, it, it felt like it was an alien who, like, was saying goodbye. It, it felt like a goodbye, and it felt like a we got him type thing. But also, like, I could very much be wrong about that. Okay. If If they did... It would make sense that they just completely took him. Um, kind of. I mean, I, I can see the argument for him being transformed, though. Because, mm-hmm. like, what if he can't survive in his current form on their ship or on yeah. their planet? Like, maybe they have a means to turn humans into their species so they can live amongst them. That um, is a good theory. So I could see that. Uh, you as listeners, if you have a theory or if you know the exact answer for this, by all means, let us know. Uh, you can always reach out to us uh, by email, or you can go on to Julia's letterbox and, and comment. comment on there. You can let us know in many ways. Or you can just simply keep listening, and maybe we'll find the answers ourselves and let you know. But uh, So once Roy goes up into the ship, the ship parts ways, and we never see the ship again. Yeah. It just, just flies off into space. That's just the end. Yeah, it, Credits start rolling as the ship literally is going into space and disappearing from the scene. Government seems happy with the knowledge they gained. They received a bunch of people that had gone missing. That's it. That, but, like, it but it just ends yeah, right just there. Ends. It makes yeah. you like, what in the world? Um... Yeah, like the government didn't try to like overstep and try to kidnap the aliens to experiment on or anything like that. Like you know, like every sci-fi movie we've ever had other than this always has it where the government wants to be the bad guy they they want to like kidnap et they want to you know dissect the uh giant robot from uh when the earth stood still like the government always wants to do something that's very violating of the aliens and it usually backfires but in this movie it never comes up it just never comes up it's very interesting um because like with with E.T., it does have the military wanting to do something. It doesn't go into detail, but, like, they do. Hmm. They, they want to experiment and all that. But, like, with, with this one, which is another um, look at it, it they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if he, like, did it for comparison's sake or if he's like, this is what I wish everyone would do. Because, like, he does have... Um, immigrant grandparents from like ukraine he's jewish yeah um, he's got a movie coming out soon that actually kind of is a dramatization of it yeah the yeah, yeah yeah and so like it could be part of that instead of like actually what he wants the military to do and more of a look uh a message within a sci-fi story or maybe he just simply wanted to bump trend and say okay this is how i think the government would do it Versus what everyone else has been saying the government would do in these scenarios. 
Yeah. So maybe he just wanted to be different. I don't know. Steven Spielberg, if you Which ever listen to this. Which also seems like a Steven Spielberg thing to do, to be right. like, I'm going to I'm gonna buck what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And and Steven, if you're ever listening to this, please let us know, because I love you as a director. You are amazing. And I love that John Williams is like attached to like every one of your movies, because... Oh God, yeah. John Williams is like my, my favorite. favorite ever. Yeah. Well, like... The... He did this movie, too. He did the score for this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Didn't he like hide... If you wish upon a star, somewhere you caught that. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna see like you caught that. Like at the end, right? Yes, yes. It's very subtle initially. So before the credits happen, there's a point where the music's getting a little intenser, and Roy's looking up at the light that turns mm-hmm. into like a raining down on thing. And during that moment, it plays that song. Yeah, and it's very subtle, but it gets more clear in the credits. It plays it again, and you can tell it more obviously that it, it mm-hmm. is that. And I. Oh, I, love John I thought it was funny. Like, I, I was like, hey, John Williams, like, sly dog, just <laughs> slipping that in there. Um, well, because, like, it, it makes <coughs> a lot of sense to use it because of the shooting star look and all that, but, like, genius. I mean, it's just a very Disney thing to, like, plug It is in. also a very Disney thing. Oh. So, as the movie wrapped up, obviously... There's a lot of questions that go unanswered, like, why do these aliens visit here? Why do they take the people to begin with? All sorts of things. Um, I think what's great about the movie is that it doesn't answer them, or at least not all of the questions. It doesn't need to. The, mm-hmm. the idea that we don't know everything that's out there, we probably will never know everything, uh, that it's okay to not know everything. I think that's a really good uh, approach for this movie, because it makes you want to uh, basically believe in something that's, you know, not entirely known. Um, so what are some of your final thoughts on this movie, I guess? Um, well, the first is, like with a lot of Steven's movies, I loved that there are, like, three big parts to the movie. Like, there's the first encounter, there's the, like, descent, and... Um, then, and then there's the second contact. Mm-hmm. And I like that there's like three different storylines slash protagonist kind of. Yeah, because you've got you like have the, Roy, the, f- the mother, kind of the military in general. I would say it's more even the French guy and, yeah, and the yeah. interpreter that, that mm-hmm. talks more, with him. More the, the French time. guy. Yeah. And like in most of his movies, he, he does that. Um, there's like a. Um, there's there's three different stories that feel like they're all going at the same time and i it's just very obvious with his movies which i mean some people could think like that that's too much but i i enjoy it i like having the three different stories i like the three protagonists that all have a pretty fleshed out story there's not a lot of directors that flesh them out that much mm-hmm. Yeah, you can um, even look at his work with like The Last Crusade or Indiana mm-hmm. Jones, where it's yeah. like you've got uh, Indy and the Germans on different paths, and then mm-hmm. you've got like his allies in Egypt, and they're all converging into one place mm-hmm. and things like that. Like he he does tend to have these uh, approaches that work for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think all of his movies are like that, though. No, they're not uh, all like, like that. But a lot like of ET, them are. I don't really feel like it went that route. But, like, E.T. also, yeah. I think, was a different approach that he intentionally wanted to show two sides of the same coin. 
Yeah, and I feel like that was more of a coming of age thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more about Elliot and E.T. Mm-hmm. And Drew Barrymore as a kid. Yeah, obviously <laughs> Drew Barrymore. <laughs> yeah, can't forget her. Uh, all right, well, if you have nothing else left, I would say let's go mm-hmm. to the part where every listener has ever wanted to listen to this for. Yes. How does this tie into the Cars universe? Okay. Go nuts. So the the first connection is like the degrees of separation thing. So Steven Spielberg directed Julia Roberts in Hook. And then Julia Roberts was in Wonder with the literal lightning McQueen, Owen Wilson. So that's like three degrees of separation right there. The um the Wonder did come after Cars, but I still feel like it's important that they're connected like that. Anyways, um, I believe that the Cars universe is an alien planet. Really? You're in that theory. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing that theory because they're literally humanoid, but but not. They're, they, they have a tongue. They have eyes. You can't open any of their doors. And they're, they can kiss. Did you notice that? They can kiss and they sleep and it's weird and they drink and they eat. That is literally a species of some kind. That's very similar to Transformers and they have a whole planet. They just don't like become like they don't disassemble. They're just cars who have eyes, mouth, probably organs, probably a brain. How are they thinking? (laughs) Alien planet. So with that... With that, you have the aliens from their alien planet, you have this, but it's not the same story. They're reverse stories. Because you have these small town, small town guy from Indiana who um, wants to go for adventure. He wants to find his place, right? So, and, and he doesn't feel like he has that place. And then he's urged to go to his place, his final destination, which is with the aliens. Lightning McQueen, big guy, big famous race car. Um, he's He's got everything he could possibly want. He's gonna win the Piston Cup. Um, but because of some unfortunate circumstance, he's stuck at Radiator Springs and he has to First of all, pay off his debt to society for ruining their roads. And then he has to learn to be better. A better guy. And within that, he becomes the small town guy. He becomes the guy he's supposed to be. And so, close encounters of the third kind walked so that cars could run. Because you have the aliens being explored, you have the the different um, ways you're going to react to aliens. And because of movies like this, and E.T., and even Alien mo- movie franchise, you can get the Cars universe where people were like, yeah, Alien Cars. That is a mirror image of our Earth. Except they have a piston cup and not whatever NASCAR has. Which, why did they focus on NASCAR? 
because NASCAR is the the military of the military of the car universe. Okay, so that's that's it. That's that's what you get. I I I have more. Do you have any questions? Um, I want to actually change things up a little bit here. I I wanted to present my counter argument about mm -hmm. I still believe like I'm, I'm gonna still try to connect the cars universe uh -huh. with this uh, the difference is though I'm gonna go with more of a multiverse kind of scenario where yeah yeah I could have gone that direction. yes uh, the the cars universe is earth but it's mm -hmm. just where all humans were cars instead of humans yeah. and so you see historical events play out in the cars universe that implies certain historical moments happened before you got two. yes, like we've got the we've got the Pope, we've Jews. got Jewish people, we've got uh, World War Two jeeps. So that implies you know Holocaust happened, that you know Christianity happened, all these things happen, but with cars. So it implies that like we're just living a parallel dimension with them. Um, <laughs> where that would come in though for this movie, I would say it's more like. This movie played out in Cars Universe probably somewhere where mm -hmm. humans came to visit Earth and uh, brought back old cars that were out of time and other things like that. Like it was just another parallel dimension with the same plot, just replace the humans with cars and maybe the aliens become the humans or maybe the aliens stay aliens. Oh God, you're Googling something. Is there already a movie about that? Okay, no, there's not. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. My theory is that it's a multiversal thing. I I do enjoy the multiverse thing because it's like, what if literal cars are our parallel? Which is it's wild to think about, and it's something that you like. I I know for a fact. No, actually, I don't. <laughs> but like the Pixar people had to have known the consequences of this because they did create Shrek. They created Shrek first, and then they created the cars. They had to know the consequences of making human cars that are alive. Of like, people are going to think multiverse. They're going to think, how? How? And they're going to think, magic? No. Maybe. And they connected all of this in the Pixar world. I want to pause here for a second. Listeners, if, if you have any regard for this uh or opinion please let us know um we're not going to diverge this channel into comparing Sh shrek to every movie we review but uh if you can make sense of honey what that what just was said let us know i appreciate that thank you all right unpause well i mean shrek makes sense because they they created an ogre in a world in I, fairy tales. But I don't think society as a whole or as a majority that was even. Pixar, right? That was DreamWorks. Oh, I was wrong. Never mind. Shrek DreamWorks. is not. Okay, so Shrek is not with the cards. <laughs> but I really feel like there has to be overlap because it's so similar. But like even with the Cars universe, when they made these movies. Mm -hmm. They didn't expect people to become obsessed with the general universe of cars. In I fact, well, 
<laughs> I think they were targeting young kids who just wanted the toys and things like that. So they went with that route. And uh, I feel like we might be in the min- minority when we uh, compare it to multiple movies, but I, 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 I won't deny that it's a wild concept. Okay. I, okay. The Disney execs are the one that were like, yeah, you can do this movie because of the children just wanting cars. The Pixar people who came up with the idea, they're a whole different beast. They're, they're the people who created um, Brave. They created um, Toy Story. They had talking toys. And then they, they did Wally. I think they did Reddit. No, they didn't do Ratatouille. Nah, they didn't. And <laughs> <laughs> so you have you have all this, right? They they knew the consequences. That's why they in cars too. They're like, look, there's a pope. Can you guess what that means? Like they did it on purpose. I do. I cannot believe otherwise because you can't make a movie that is. And that is like that and be like, yeah, we're going to have talking cars and they're going to have eyes and mouths and teeth and not think, yeah, people are going to think this is a whole parallel. They're going to think they're aliens. They're going to think they're robots. They're going to, they're going to think all kinds of things. There's so many different ways that you can take this. And I feel like they knew, I feel like the Pixar people knew. Have you watched, there's a documentary that they put about like Pixar in general. And I thought it, we were about to enter the dark net here. Okay. <laughs> no, and and it really it really tells you all you need to know about them. They they are smart little cookies. Smart little cookies. Okay. So you've heard how we've tied it in to Cars Universe. I definitely recommend watching Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's a classic. Spielberg is amazing. John Williams is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The casting is is good. Um, mm-hmm. There's only really one, or well, I guess like maybe two actors in the entire movie that are like big names, and one of them I think was not a big name at the time of the making of the movie, Which and uh, that was the guy who was translating. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know if you recognized him, but he has appeared in several things uh, mm-hmm. since I that know, movie. I knew I recognized him. I just... Yeah. Well, like you had Richard Dreyfuss as... Um, yeah, he was the one boy. the one big name, I would say, in that entire movie. And then everyone else was, like, a nobody. You did have the mother from A Christmas Story. Was that her? Yeah. That's, oh, like, man. the two things she's done, though. She hasn't done anything else. Okay. It I... was Close Encounters and A Christmas Story. Wait, the resume. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't... Oh, man, I don't know how I missed that. But yes. the rest, I had no idea who they were. Yeah, I, I mean... Like, it... Whoa. And I don't think it needed to have, like, this humongous cast of big names i mean the, mm-hmm. the movie was unique and told a story that didn't rely on the humans it relied on the wonder of the aliens yeah like the the wonders of space like what's out there mm-hmm. what will happen if we met them you know what mm-hmm. kind of reaction would they have with us um so this is a good movie if you want to change a pace from like your typical sci-fi movies where the government's you know just dumb because i feel like the government in this movie was actually pretty smart it was very interesting yeah like the their even their method of cover-up was well thought out 
It's and, unfortunate how many animals died then. I mean, yeah, PETA don't watch this, uh, but you know, it's a, it it's a well made movie. I Very think Spielberg well. really thought it out thoroughly before he put it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, Want to write it out of five? Out of five. Mm-hmm. I'd give it a four out of five. That's what I was thinking, or maybe like four and a half. Like four, four and a half. You'll see on my letterbox when I end up with And and the reason I don't give it a full five out of five is because like there are times where tonal wise it's kind of lost or like you don't know if you should be scared or Mm -hmm. excited or happy or, you know, comical. Um, Because like it's definitely one of John Williams' weaker uh, like musical performances. Mm -hmm. Still great, but one of the Yeah, still great, but like there's there's times where like the music comes off upbeat and it's mm-hmm. like a serious moment and it's mm-hmm. like okay how do I feel about this or mm-hmm. or there's times where like the the government is a little too laissez faire like you would think that they would have immediately ushered these people back into a jeep and then to the border and to kick them out instead mm-hmm. they take them to this facility and then they like you know interrogate them and then they take them in the helicopter and then fly them away and it's like okay is that really what the government would do though i don't know i like i mean it it was a little unrealistic and maybe we were thinking well like the military was like that back then too the government was like that back then too it's not just a now thing where they're gonna be stupid um (laughs) you hear that government you're stupid yeah fully they they are so stupid i don't think oh god america if we had if we had aliens come right now it would be the worst thing possible because all of the current political climate Just would... everything that's happening? Yeah. Oh my god. I don't want to, like, anger some of our listeners, but uh, this would not be a good time for aliens to visit, which no, is probably why they haven't. Yeah, they probably know and they're like, nah. <laughs> yeah, they, like, they look down and go, oof, I'm good. We're, we're, we're so dis- disbanded and they're like, ah. Yeah, and it's funny too because this comes off the heels of the the government actually like releasing a bunch of UFO information, <laughs> like they basically just like told every conspiracy theorist, "Hey, guess what? You were not completely crazy." And now they yeah. have a platform, and it's like, "Oh my god, what have we done?" Yeah, and it's also uh, like three years after the Storm Area Fifty One thing. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Windows or Internet Explorer is still trying to get there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that. I can't, I can't unsee the guy Naruto running behind the newscaster at Area 51. <laughs> that, that, that perfectly encapsulated everything that we're about. Yeah, I feel like modern times, that it would be a much more accurate depiction of how we would respond to aliens <laughs> visiting than uh, how Spielberg's Close Encounters took it. It becoming an internet meme was just... It was, it was amazing. And... I think that if we tried hard enough, we could get it to come back. If you go the right route, we could get it to come back. Wait, are you talking about raiding like, Area 51? Yeah. You, you could bring that back. You yeah. think people would want to do that again? I want it to actually happen. <laughs> I want to see what happens. I want people to be like, yeah, it's we're going to It's just going to be a bunch of people getting it. arrested. <laughs> Oh yeah, because we we shoot first. Don't ask questions. I mean, oh, anyway, we're getting way off topic here. Yeah, um, yeah, we we need to wrap this up. So, with that said, 
if you have any opinions or thoughts about Close Encounters of the Third Kind or the Cars Universe tie into it, or even just generally speaking, how we would respond to an alien encounter in modern times compared to this movie, let us know. You know, let us know in comments. Go visit uh, Julia's letterbox and, uh, you know, just keep listening. We love hearing people uh, are listening to us. So let us know. And Julia, uh, if you want to plug in anything last minute. Um, our email is the real off-road review um, at gmail.com. That's where you can send anything you want to say. Uh, the letterbox, Julia Not Roberts. Um, eventually, we will have a Twitter and an Instagram that I will plug, but we don't have it yet. Um, All that information will also be shown in the description, so you don't have to worry about you know playing this book over and over again, trying to hear it and type yeah. it out. Um, and that so, wraps it up. Yeah, so uh, thanks for listening, and have a good day. Good job. Oh, God.